I've, I've been in this industry for about 16 years now, and I don't feel like going doing anything else. I, I love it. I, I cannot think about not being a chef. This week on Dirty Linen, we are talking about food costs, supply chains, and also just meeting interesting people and hearing what makes them tick, as we always love to do. Today's guest is Merchan Dershkin. He is the chef at Little Andorra. Uh, he's born in Turkey, living now in Melbourne. Uh, I met Merchan when he was a chef at Attica while we were doing Soup Project. I always remember Merchan that was grilling or barbecuing carrots and this aroma of the carrots for the Attica takeaway packs was just such a feature of 2020 for me. Uh, Merchan, it's um, a real pleasure to have you on Dirty Linen. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Danny. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Do you remember those carrots? I, I, I never forget them. I, I, I never forget anything from Attica. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Tell me about about that period for you. What would wh- why was it your job to do that? And, and I'm, I'm sure you did many other things in all the other hours that you were there. But w- what happened with those carrots? Yeah, yeah. I, I reckon um, that's that's one of the memories you have because I remember you were coming to the um, the kitchen very early, like maybe four four a.m. You were coming in, and one of the first thing I needed to do was to um, cook the carrots um, and smoke the carrots. Um, so we were using them as a vegetarian option for the sulaki um, dish that we were serving on takeaways. That's yeah. right. Yeah, the chicken. I remember having that at home and just the beautiful aroma and those that deep flavor with those big, big carrots. It's, yeah. It's yes. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we were, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, now I just feel like I want to talk a bit more about that time. Tell us about how you came to be at Attica and what it was like being there through that crazy period. Um, oh, it, it, was an, it was an amazing, amazing experience, especially going through a um, lockdown and then opening up again and then going into another lockdown and seeing the one of the greatest chefs in our era um, a um, being a great leadership, um, showing a great leadership around this time and observing that was, was an amazing thing to start with. Um, how I get into Attica is um, is a whole another um, story that I don't want to probably don't want to take much of your time, but it was a dream come true for me, and I worked there about two years. I became a junior sous chef. Huge achievements for me at the age of thirty three, thirty four. I was there, so it was it was a um, very important point of my life, and I remember it very um, well and all about good things. Oh, well, congratulations. It's beautiful to hear about how much those achievements meant to you. And I'm sure, yeah, it, it, um, yeah, I just, it felt to me from my outside perspective that you did bring an amazing, beautiful energy to, to the team there. Um, tell us about what you're doing now at Little Andorra. So now I am, I'm at a, um, a small, uh, um, local um, neighborhood wine bar uh, called uh, Little Andorra. I've been there um, a year now. Um, and we are, um, uh, Luke Bresnan is, uh, is, the, is the manager, is the director. He's very good with wines. So I'm, um, I'm covering the 
kitchen part of the business, um, I, I would say, and we are serving um, serving we can say Turkish food in there, but um, it's it's different. Uh, we, we get some different reactions that people are saying like, "Is this Turkish food?" Well, it is Turkish food because that's I'm cooking where I'm I'm from, which is on the Aegean side of Turkey, which people are not very. Um, as I see, people are not very much um, 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 know that part or had the food. So, yeah, that's what we are doing. Um, more like dishes that goes well with wine and to um, give people um, having a good time in our, in, our, in our restaurant. What are some of the dishes that you're enjoying making at the moment? Um, we, we have a small menu. Um, so it's not a very complex menu. I enjoy making everything. Um, and we also have a small team. So we basically do everything together with, uh, with our chef, um, Tom Kendall. Um, so I, I enjoy making fava um, very much. Um, fava is a, is a, is a as, as you know, in, in here, fava is a bean. Uh, but fava for us, we call fava uh, for, it's a, it's a name of a dish. Uh, that is, I don't like to use the term dip, but that's how to describe it in here. We call them meze. Uh, so it's, it's um, um, I just twisted a bit, twisted the, the dish by adding some Jerusalem artichokes in it. And we use a very good amount of um, very nice uh, Mount Zero olive oils. Um, so it's just like um, you can dip your freshly cooked bread into it, have a sip of wine. Uh, I, I, that, that dish just uh, first thing comes to my mind because it's the first course as well. Yum. It sounds so good. What's it like for you, um, you know, being in charge of the kitchen and presenting food from your homeland? It's amazing. It's so amazing for me. It's another dream come true for me. Um, um, and um, Luke is giving me all the freedom that I could ever ask for. And it just boosts up my creativity and confidence, confidence in myself, uh, which, is a, which is an amazing thing as a chef. Um, so it's, it's, it's pretty, enjoy, pretty enjoyable. Um, and it's just, just an amazing experience. Yeah, I'm so so happy to hear that. And, yeah, I was really excited to hear that you'd clocked up the, the one-year anniversary. It's a great achievement, especially when, you know, the times are so interesting and challenging. Um, yeah, it must be yeah, – it's, it it's just really a great achievement. But um, I suppose something that everybody's having to engage with at the moment is the rising cost of food. How much is that impacting you and what are you doing about it? Well – it that is affecting like it, it affects us just like it affects any other business or any other industry as as far as i see um what we have done with that we have um reduced our uh, we, we 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 made a new menu and we reduced our um courses um and also we reduced our price so we we wanted to be more approachable to people and to our regular guests uh, rather than serving them a five five course meal uh, with three amos bush to start with we we are now uh, doing three courses um for a reduced price um and we we I didn't want to, or we didn't want to um, reduce the portions. We are still serving um, generous, um, 
gen- we, we we're being generous. Uh, we that's well, that's one of one of my goals that I learned from Ben Sherry to be generous on the food um, and. Um, that's one of the things that we have done um, recently, about a month or two ago. Um, we adapt to the menu um, very well, and it's going good. We're having good feedbacks about it. And, mm. yeah, we're, we're getting a lot of calls from the um, suppliers as well. Suppliers also missing some of the stuff. Um, also, um, they they also have some other um, issues with the prices, uh, but we're, we're trying to manage since we have a smaller menu, we are pretty flexible and um, we, we just adapt and uh, continue to move on. Yeah, that's so interesting to, you know, when a lot of people are thinking about raising prices or wondering if they're going to be able to, if their customers will will, will deal with it, you've found a way to actually charge less. Um, that's, that's really interesting. I mean, do you feel, you know, you said you've had a good response to it. Do you think that customers are sort of specifically understanding that you're, you've you found this workaround or do you think it's just that they, they just love the food? Um, um, we have some good feedbacks. Yeah, I, I, think, I think people, people adapt to it. Uh, people understand. Uh, we, have, we have, I can say, the, the guests that we have are quite uh, always nice people. And we have, we have got some feedbacks and they've, they've been, uh, we've been looking like the, they're enjoying the, their time uh, in Little Andorra, uh, the food and the wine and everything, all the service, because I like to look at it as a whole package rather than just a kitchen. Uh, so yeah, it looks like people are enjoying it. Yeah, it's great. I was chatting to um, a baker. Well, in fact, you know, it was. I don't know. If, I don't think Zelda was. Has Zelda opened when you while you were still at? Attica? No, no. But I heard them. They're opened in Ripley, right? Yeah. So just down the road from Attica, um, Zelda has opened, and I was chatting to Mariasha, the owner, who's actually been on the podcast a couple of times and she was talking about you know the price of spinach has gone up ten dollars a box and so her customers were asking her you know why don't why don't you have the spinach and cheese pastry and so she explained you know like it, this is how much extra I would have to pay I would have to charge you more what do you want me to do and she said people were saying make it make it we'll pay more but I, th- I thought that was really interesting it's like you know, to have those conversations with customers, I mean, that's a pretty granular, detailed one, but, um, you know, not every every food business can do that. But I think it's it's interesting to think, well, everybody's subject to these same, you know, cost pressures. Everybody has to engage with food in some way and can see that some things are getting more expensive. I wonder if, um, you know, being more transparent in the way we communicate about the cost of food is part of the solution. Yes, yeah, I, I I completely agree because um, we we sometimes we spend so much time in the kitchen and in our industry, and we sometimes I think expect people to understand what's going on in the back, at the back. Um, but I I think it's not that fair that people have our our guests who are coming working in other industries, um, and I don't know about what about their industries. I have no idea about the prices of what they're doing so i so same with us um we just we just want to be um not putting um um 
so to say, pressure to our guests or know about the food uh, costs much. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely affects us. Mm. I suppose, you know, over the, the, you know, the COVID times, businesses, you know, hospitality especially has become a bit more transparent or, you know, they've sort of explicitly asked their communities for help when it's been needed. I think it, there has been a lot more, I guess, you know, uh, removing the curtain that's um, protected the inner workings of hospitality businesses. So I suppose in a way this is just another part of, of that um yeah, another part of the inner workings of a business that are revealed. But I think, yeah, as you say, you don't want to, you know, completely take the magic away and, you know, show people a spreadsheet and you know, here's, a, here's a spreadsheet and here's your dinner and, you know, hope you can enjoy it. It's a, it's a tricky balance between, I guess, that sort of openness that leads to understanding but also, yeah, still wanting to deliver that seamless, um, yeah, beautiful, generous hospitality experience. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I see it as a. I see it as a. Sometimes I see what what we do as a performance art, especially now that we have a small team, and I think about performance art as when you see at uh, actors or actresses, um, they are they're just like they have to be there. They have to be doing their acts. They have to get ready for it, and when they come to the stage they don't talk about oh i have to pay my bills or this and that the, the price of the show is 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 just price of the show is this different of what what the performance is so i sometimes um find balance from and uh, not balance but like similarities from performance arts sports athletes and just like one of the things that comes to my mind now yeah, absolutely. Um, Merchan, I know that, you know, we complain about inflation in Australia, but the situation in Turkey is much, much more challenging. I think I read there was 70% inflation in Turkey this year. What are you hearing from um, people back home about about the way the economy is affecting people? Yeah, um, it's, it's, of course, uh, affecting everyone in Turkey, Um very badly um, from from with, with with all my friends that I'm talking to they are speaking about um, these things that are going wrong or with the economy um, but if we talk um, as, as, as I as someone I've up as, as born in Turkey and I was raised in there um, what I understand after moving to Australia seeing that Turkey has never been um, a country that has a stable economy. It's it, it always had some ups and downs. It has never been, never been stable. Um, so the thing that is happening at the moment, as I understand, because I'm quite far away and I haven't been home for a long time due to COVID and other things, um, but um, I can say, as I'm speaking to a person who hasn't been to Turkey, um, I can say that it's, it's never been it's never been a stable economy, and it's just things are bad now, and it looks like it's going to go worse. Um, but yeah, it just affects everything. It affects the food industry, it affects the the social life, education. The most important thing, it affects the youth. Um, yeah, it's it's affecting people badly. I'd love to dig in a little bit to, you know, your background and what's taken you along this pathway to being a chef and being in Australia. Um, c yeah, can you can you tell me a little bit about your background? 
Yeah, of course. So um, I, I was, as I said, I was born in Turkey and I was raised in Turkey. Um, uh, I can easily say that I, my family has never been a, a traditional Turkish family. Um, and my, my father um, is, is a former basketball player who was playing at the highest level at his time in 70s and 80s. My, my mom was a model uh, who was also doing her um, she, she was also at a high level. Um, so I was born, I can say, into a privileged family um, in, in Turkey. But again, um, this can be a good example that the, the economy is not stable. Um, and so we have gone through so many ups and downs and ups and downs. Um, so that's um, pretty much um, my early um, background um and that uh, the food has always been a big part of our family uh, my mom always used to cook at home for us um, and um, i remember um, helping her so many times and she was telling me about the stories i feel like these are so classic stories i, I sometimes get bored about these stories but i'm just gonna cut this one short um so i was helping her but one of the details that my mom used to have a knife that i've never seen in any when i go to my family my, my friends houses i was seeing my friends uh, moms they were using a small my, my turkish friends will understand what i what i mean now they they were using like this um knife that has a plastic handle and a it's 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 like a fruit knife they, um, it's that's the traditional thing that you use my mom used to use a german henkel's zivling a chef knife and that that knife that she was using i was interested in using it um in middle school in high school i chopped off my fingers a few times this is way before i i just was, i wasn't even thinking of becoming a chef or anything i was i was a i was a teenager and um long story short i was at the age of 19 um i was doing some um competitive boxing and I, I just I was just trying to decide what to do with my life and I cooking was always there and then one day I was traveling between um, two cities from Izmir to Istanbul to visit my dad um, and on, on the bus the guy next to me an old man was reading a newspaper and then he turned the page I just looked at my eye on one of the pages and half of the page there was an advertisement of a um of a of a university Yeditepe University in Istanbul who um they they put a, put this advertisement saying that they they're looking for candidates for their gastronomy and culinary arts um um faculty under the fine arts and I got so excited I asked the um I asked the gentleman to um to gently rip the half of the newspaper and he said okay and I put it in my pocket and I went when I went to Istanbul I realized that they're doing uh they're doing these exams since they are under the faculty of fine arts they, it, it was uh, required some drawing um skills um and I I did that uh, it was a huge achievement. I, I got accepted, and I um, I started um, university, and I was there for five years. During that time, I worked at some restaurants in summers, and um, and yeah, I 
done some trips to Paris, to New York. Um, I did some. Um, I did my bookings to three Michelin star restaurants. I packed my suit. I went to these restaurants: Gisawa, Pierre Gagnier, Robuchon. Uh, Le Bernard and Per se, Thomas Keller. Um, it was just that those guys were were, um, were like my rock stars, and I was quite obsessed with Michelin star restaurants. Um, this is when I was 20, 19 to 24. Um, so, yeah, I, long story short, um, I, after, after my graduation, I wanted to go to uh, one of these restaurants. Um, I sent um, 27 uh, emails to different restaurants around the world um, at light as a commie chef. Um, but I, I couldn't manage to get any acceptance because of the visa situation. So I learned about uh, what the passports are, what the, what what nationalities means and what's going on. So I just like, that was a harsh truth. Um, and then I, um, I stayed in Turkey. I worked, I started working for um, uh, airline catering. I became a chef trainer in there. And then one of my very good friends, Egemert and Elif, they moved to Australia, um, to Melbourne. And they were always telling me that, oh, you have to come here. You have to see this place. This is amazing. You're going to love it because they, know me very well and um, with their advice I applied for my um, permanent residency as a skilled migrant um, and I got my visa after 13 months of um, applications back and forth uh, documents and things like that and I and I came to I moved to Australia and I've been here for four years now. Oh my goodness, that is an amazing story. So that's so great. I didn't realize that you came here with your permanent residency. Um, that's fantastic. Uh, so I, I just am so interested that gastronomy was under fine arts. So that's a quite different structure to, uh, the way it is done here. And it's so interesting that you needed to draw to get into it in the first place. I mean, do, is that a, is that a normal thing in Turkey that, um, that people study cooker, cooking, in an arts faculty and what difference do you think it makes when you come to it from that direction? Yeah, um, it was, it was, it's not a common thing. Um, at the time, if I'm not mistaken, it was the first um, four years of um, education that you can get and get a bachelor's degree under the fine arts faculty. It was the first in the world, uh, not just in Turkey. I don't know how it went now. This is, I'm talking about 2006. Um, so it at the time, the faculty was open only for two years, if I'm not mistaken. So I was one of the first um, students who entered. Um, so yeah, it's, it's not a common thing. Um, but what I can say is um, it was an amazing um, experience um, to be under the fine arts because I've always been very much interested in um, arts and uh, drawing and painting. Um, I, I had so many good friends from other faculties, uh, from interior design designers, um, from um, painters or graphic designers. Um, and I took some other classes with those friends 
out of uh, my uh, gastronomy uh, um, classes, I was uh, joining them, and I was I was meeting with these people. Um, it, it was it was it was a very um, good experience. Now that I'm thinking um, about it, it, was very nice. Mm. It's so interesting because even thinking back to, you know, the analogy you made with performance art, when you think about, you know, running a restaurant, it's sort of, it, it, it really makes me wonder what kind of, you know, broad perspective it gives you to study gastronomy in that sense. Um, but I suppose it also makes me think of, you know, Turkish cuisine has such an extraordinary history and, you know, the palace cuisine is so elaborate and it is very much an art and honoured as such in Turkish culture. I mean, it's, yeah, it's just, it's very, it's really interesting, <laughs> very yeah, fascinating journey. Yeah, 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 it is. Um, what do you think about that whole sort of Michelin thing now? You know, you've had, I suppose, you know, the, the Australian equivalent of it in Attica, but I'd say that's definitely not a traditional fine dining restaurant um and now you're working in a wine bar doing you know food that's very close to your heart like sort of how do you see those sort of higher echelons of gastronomy these days um how i see it um i don't know how much my um view would count on this but i can say um as as i grow uh, as I'm growing up, or I'm, I'm getting older, um, my my thoughts and um, my um, my look at the food is is it's, it's just I don't know if evolving is the right word because it just it just change it it, it changes as as we all change. Um, so my view now for Michelin star restaurants, or let's say not just Michelin but high uh, level restaurants, they have so much passion behind them. Um, they are not businesses that are built for making money. Um, so there's so much passion and emotion behind those businesses. Because if you want to make money, you don't spend hours every day and think about, if you want to make money, you, you go to Wall Street or something. Um, so that's 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 the that's the biggest difference uh, as i see that there's so much passion and sometimes with that passion we can be as chefs we can be a quite bit more um emotional with the with the food that we do and we can sometimes forget about the cost of the food now that uh, touches a bit of, of our subject today um but um yeah for i love it it's it's I, it's something that I love and I respect so very much. Um, and but it's I can say it is completely different. Completely different may not be the right word, uh, but it is different at what we are doing um, at Little Andorra um, because it, it it's when you. Um, when you desire that high level of food, when you want to reach to that level, you really need to make a lot of sacrifices from your life and from uh, many, many things in your life or your people around you. Um, it's something that I'm always questioning uh, if I will be ready to do that, especially now that we have a, uh, we have. I have a son, 16 months old, Levant. I love him so dearly. Um, when Levant came to 
our life, my whole passion and my whole view on life changed. Everything I'm thinking about the future now is about um, how I can um, how I can um, attend to every activity that Levant Levant does in the future in the in the in the in the elementary school or middle school or whenever when he tells me like oh, Baba I need you today uh, or like this week uh, well the restaurant I have to go like these are the things that I'm thinking um, so um, what we are doing I can say shortly that we I want people to have a good time when they come to the restaurant and enjoy the food and talk about the food but I don't want the food to be the main thing uh, or anything else just having a good time because people take their time leave their houses put on clothes get on traffic goes all the way to these restaurants and spend hours they give their time as well so being aware of it as well um, we just we just want people to have a delicious um, cozy happy good time mm. wow such such big life questions and issues that you that you bring up and you know that I, I suppose are entwined in all these all these actions and activities and decisions but yeah it is it is um yeah so interesting uh i, I suppose it's you know you you sort of you want to honor the commitment and the and you know the fact of being a father but honoring the guests that take the time and spend the money to come to the restaurant it's uh, i suppose it's it's going to be a balance that will always you need attention and probably shift one way or the other over time but it, yeah it's um yeah really it's just big isn't it, it doesn't get bigger than those questions yeah it, it is i i quest, i talk i think about these every day every day on my on my way to work every day when i come back um yeah and it's i feel i, I find it healthy um because I've, I've been in this industry for about 16 years now and i don't feel like going doing anything else i i love it i i cannot think about not being a chef i quite enjoy it um but I'm also looking for a way to find, uh, to spend more time with my loved ones. Um, but I understand that when you do something at a, um, um, when you do something that is this much dedicated, um, it's just, just hard to find the balance. Yeah. I mean, it makes me think of your father, you know, the basketball player at such a high level. I mean, what was the balance? Was there balance for him or was it just not, not possible? No, there was, there was absolutely no balance, especially with my, with my dad. He, um, was, he has, um, many championships in the, in the club leagues and also with the national team as well. Um, so he was always either on the road or he was either in another country playing for the national team or in another city playing with his um, own team. So he was traveling a lot when um, we were traveling a lot too. Um, um, I appreciate everything that my, my, my dad did for us. And I, um, I see him as a good example. I love him so dearly. Um, but it's just, just, yeah, it's just different. Um, when you do something at a high level, um, and just, you just can't find the balance. I think you just, there's, there's no control over that balance. 
Mm. I mean, there are sacrifices. I suppose when you're playing a team sport and, you know, you're in a certain industry, it's not, you can't, yeah, it's probably pretty hard to say, oh, actually it's, you know, it's Merchan's uh, concert today. So I'm afraid I won't be able to play the game against Greece. Um, it's but and I suppose, you know, the hospitality industry has been having, a, you know, a similar reckoning. It's obviously, you know, small businesses and, you know, it's, it's different, but I think they're, they're, they're the same questions, aren't they? Everyone's trying to find the right balance in their life um but yeah not just uh yeah we'll never stop thinking about these things um Merchan, i've just loved chatting to you um so enjoyable and really rich conversation is there anything else that you'd like to say um no i'm i'm i'm, I'm very happy i'm very happy that you've invited me it's been very nice to chat with you that's that's something that i wanted to do for for since since these lockdowns so i'm, I'm very happy to have a chat with you thanks so much Awesome. Well, I'll see you at Little Andorra, hopefully before too long. Yes, yes, we can't wait. See you. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you.